Hi, I'm John O'Scott. He's Ben Strivens. Hi. And together, we watch anything. We trawl the depths of Netflix to find three films of the same genre, of the same genre, and watch them so you don't have to. I take one, he takes one, and there's one we both watch. So you know what to add to your list or smash with your fist. Well, hello and greetings to what seems to be our expanding roster of podcast listeners. Because for some reason, over the Christmas period, where we barely released anything, our numbers have been climbing and climbing, which has been rather nice. So welcome to all you new listeners out there. And uh, thanks for coming back to all you old listeners. Although, you know, I don't mean to say old, but let's say faithful listeners out there. Some of them are quite old. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice. I'd like a nice demographic spread. Mm, me too. Yeah. Well, we are 18 years old. Well, 18 episodes old today. This is We Watch Anything at number 18, which is quite a nice place to be, really, John, isn't it? Yeah, it's exciting. I, do you think we should start swearing more or something as we're now in 18? Or... I thought we could just go off and, um, you know, get drunk and get married, but not yeah. in America. We probably get married, can't we? Um, just not drunk. But... Uh... No, I, I think we could just we could we could just sort of you know just 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 accept the fact that we're more mature and move on really. Yeah, I mean it yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. only yesterday that we were getting excited about our tenth, and we're almost at our twentieth, which is not too shabby. I know we've done well, we've done very well. Yes, and so um, uh, thanks for listening to us pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, before we talk about you know this 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 episode yep. i want to say that i've got a cunning plan for the next episode which i'm going to reveal at the end of this podcast and it's going to be pretty exciting i cannot tell you how excited i am and dear listeners i do not know what this is john has kept it secret from me he's it's got it tucked surprise. in his back pocket and he'll whip it out at the end of the podcast <laughs> yeah. so this time around we are going to be discussing what are we going to be talking about john Kung Fu movies. Yes, a big slab of martial arts, which yeah. incidentally makes it our first um, entirely non-English speaking movie podcast as well, I think. True, true. And this was another user-generated, uh, uh, user-listener-generated genre, wasn't it? It was an LGG from, um, <laughs> the LGG from JG. Um, Jamie Goodbrand, one of our uh, long-term listeners, although, you know, not well, AT, maybe you can say long-term listeners. Um <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, when 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 you said, "Oh, we're going to go with martial arts," I wasn't particularly excited because, like you, I'm not a huge martial arts fan. Um, but uh, yeah, without revealing what I thought of the films, I've actually really enjoyed the experience. So, so yeah, yeah. And, I think and it's kind of reminded sort of... me of the old martial arts films I did know because, like I say, I'm definitely not an expert. In fact, only today I was reading a top hundred list. You know, one of those top hundred yeah. articles of. Um, of martial arts movies, and I had seen a sh- you know hardly any of them. You know, oh, me about too. Ten of them, if anything, if you know, if that. There are loads of obscure. It's the two sort of that and westerns are the two big holes in my um in my movie wall. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, that's good. No, but, well, I've um, seen quite a lot of westerns because my dad was really into westerns, so he kind of I was brought up on quite a few of the sort of classics at least. So I've see, seen a lot, a lot more westerns than I've seen kung fu. But I think it was quite it was nice to sort of kick us out of our comfort zone. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And we've chosen... I chose three movies, unsurprisingly, because that's the format of the show. But I chose three movies, um, two of which sort of are connected to well-known kung fu movies. And one of them is just a well-known kung fu movie. So I figured we'd not seen it. And um, maybe a bunch of people who are familiar with the genre have... 
but a bunch of people who aren't familiar with the genre may not well not have done and I thought it gave us a fighting chance of um, giving them a bit of quality I don't know yeah. slightly different than you know trying to look at the most obscure thing we can but we're not there yet because that's the movie we watched together so before then we've got the movies we watched separately and uh, you know always one to uphold tradition Jono what did you watch tell us about your movie uh, thank you dude I um, watched Ong Back 3. Uh, yeah. Forgive me if that pronunciation's wrong, but Ong Back 3 is how it's spelt, and that's how I'm pronouncing it. It's from um, 2010. It's a Thai martial arts movie. Um, and, 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 and and I'm going to tell you about it right now. <laughs> awesome. I, I was going to say, because I picked this, because Ong Back, the first one, is meant to be a pretty damn awesome piece of Thai martial arts moviness. So I figured... Yeah. Ong Back 3 might well have something. And also, you know, we don't have to just go Kung Fu and be entirely, you know, that part of the world. Well, it's all the similar part of the world, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be entirely China-centric about it, I thought. Definitely not. No, and you know, no, and exactly. I, I mean, I didn't do... I, I just watched this. I didn't do any reading. So I had heard of, the, of Ong Back, but I haven't seen that either. Yeah. So I came to this blind. And basically it starts off and it's set... You don't know it's set in the 1400s, but... I've since read. It is set in the 1400s. And it starts with the hero, played by Tony Jaa. Um, yeah. Who, and he's basically, he's he's tied up. He's lashed to a post or something and being beaten up. And right even as the, the sort of rolling credits are coming along, you're, you're getting flashbacks and bits of footage from Ong Back 2, you know, sort of summarising what's happened to mm-hmm. him. And basically, he's being brutally beaten up. and um, Unfortunate. Yeah. And... But quite soon, so for fans of just a good fight scene, quite soon, I think in the first five minutes, ten minutes, you do have a pretty good sort of uber fight scene because basically he's like, like I say, he's lashed up. He's, cha- I think he's got chains um, and he's being sort of pulled apart and he manages to sort of get rid of his chains and he gets them around his wrists and starts hitting seven bells out of quite a lot of people. Um and then, but then he is overwhelmed, and then there's basically he's tortured. He's he's he, there's a, there's more flashbacks. He's beaten up, and it's all basically this slightly nasty sort of king lord type person is 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 making him be beaten up for okay. things, and it's all revenge for something that's happened in the second film. I may sound a bit unclear. That's because I am a little bit unclear. Now, so he's tortured. He's broken. Okay. Then yes. some of our heroes' um, mates, some guerrilla fighters, attempt to free him. But that doesn't work because a second arch bad guy, not this cruel overlord dude, yep. but a sort of crow-themed bad guy oh, okay. called Booty. Uh-huh. I think I don't know if he's pronounced that way. But appears and kills them all. Then, oh, right. Yeah. And then basically then the lord evil dude and Booty, like they, they kind of... they. They, they they seem to be working in league, but then they just they don't work in league. And then Tien, the hero, is about to be killed yeah. when there's a pardon from the king saying that he must he mustn't be executed. So the lords are really annoyed. But basically, long story short, Tien goes home to his village. Sorry, how how he, far through the movie are we at this point? This is probably about twenty five minutes in. Oh, okay. So we're still sort of scene setting. Yeah, I'm basically I'm going to stop at the sort of uh, quite soon, basically, because he, yeah. he returns to his village and he's still a broken man, and he's gradually brought back to health by a love interest who sort of looks after him, and a Buddhist monk who starts sort of trying to heal him um, mentally because he gradually starts okay. recovering from his physical um, 
wounds, but he's he, he's also basically his rehabilitation, you know, his spiritual rehabilitation has got to occur as well. And then once he is re- rehabilitated, as you might imagine, he goes to kick butt, and that mainly involves killing the sort of crow-themed secondary bad guy who turns out to be the main bad guy. Oh, right. Now, the reason I, I, I can hear in my voice that I'm sounding <laughs> a little bit a little bit hazy about some of the plot points, and that's not because I did watch this very carefully, and I went back and re-watched bits, and it's not because it's complicated as such, but it's It's just, complicated. It, it, no, it's just told in quite a vague way. Uh, okay. It, it, it's quite... There's a lot of montage. There's a lot of like flashback to things that happened before. And there's a lot of sort of stuff that you just sort of think, I don't really understand why he's got to do this and why he's not doing that. And basically, I'm going to it's it turns out that it, it's all it, it basically it spends too much time, in my opinion, focusing on Buddhist philosophy. But I've got nothing against a film that focuses on Buddhist philosophy, but it doesn't actually focus on it very well. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> so it's kind of so it starts okay. You've got all these action sequences, mm. but then it just it it never builds up a pace. There's no sort of drama to it. It just seems like an endless sort of sequence of almost like music videos or or, or something that all sort of stream together in this slightly oh clunky way. And I mean, I'm sort of getting to my review here because are these all sort of when you say this sort of endless. I, mean, I know you say there's a lot of philosophy and stuff. Are these mm. sort of are they, is there, are there quite a few fight scenes that sort of seem disconnected, or is it more just mincing around? There are fight scenes, but not as many as as, as you might think. Yeah. But it's but it's more that yeah, there's just quite a lot of mincing around. But it's it's it's. It's hard to put into words, but like I say, it's because there's there's something vague about the filmmaking. I don't feel like it really know the story it tells is not very clear or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's still you know the action sequences when they happen are pretty cool, but at the same time, I don't think by the sounds of things they're not as 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 mind blowing as the earlier Ong Bak film was. I mean, basically, okay. okay so Ong Bak, the original, came out in two thousand and three. Okay. Sure. And it was, and it was this same guy, um, Tony Jaa, and it basically it was it in itself turned its back on the sort of wire work that we discussed a bit last time. Yeah, with which my, had become um, increasingly Crouching Tiger too. Yeah, it had become increasingly insane. There'd been more and more wire work in films that were coming out, and this original Long Back really turned its back on that. It was back to sort of proper physical insane stunts done by the main star, you know, like the old school Jackie Chan type films. So no wire stuff and not too much CGI, just jaw-dropping action, apparently. I've still not seen it. Um, (laughs) But the thing about Ong Bak is that it was set in the now. It was set in present day. It was sort of him fighting off, you know, I think um, doing battle with essentially sort of, you know, a drugs gang. Okay, fine, yeah. Then the sequel that came out, uh, I'm going to forget, but 2008, say, 2005, I don't know, sometime in the 2000s was suddenly, it was not really a sequel, it was sort of a prequel, but it's Ong Bak 2, and it was set in the 1400s. And then this one, Ong Bak 3, they sort of, basically, Ong Bak 2 was a success. It was much more of a sort of a historical epic, like this one. Mm. And um, and they ended up, they just sort of, they just decided, okay, we're going to make Ong Bak 3. And it uses loads of the same, of like leftover footage from Ong Bak 2. Oh, so it was done on the cheap massively then. I, I just think it was. I just think it was done without a real clear idea about what they were going to do with it. 
it's it's hard to put it into words, but like yeah, it's just sort of rushed so into production to cash in on long back too, then kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and and as well, it just feels like there's quite a lot of filler going on. Yeah, and and there's also really quite an irritating comic relief character uh-huh. who comes along and just sort of like he's got sort of slightly shaggy hair and just talks like this. I don't know whether he's trying to whether it's is he supposed to be just slightly weird or whether he's supposed to be drunk. It seems like he's drunk, but okay. who knows. <clears throat> but anyway, but just I, just the film as a whole, it's just a bit. It's just it's frankly it's quite boring because because oh. <laughs> because when the fight scenes happen, there's no there's no sort of tension or drama to them. They yeah. just they just sort of happen, and there are some good bits in it. You know they they you know they, they there's but there's no emotion or sort of drama yes. behind the fights. It's just a sort of montage, a bit of Buddhist philosophy, then some shooing, then another bit of flashback. You right. know, it's, so just, it's just a series of and bizarre, unconnected set pieces. Exactly, exactly. Right. And I still, I mean, I still like the main guy. The bad guy, you know, when he was being in crow mode, does this quite sort of fun, twitchy performance that I quite liked. I enjoyed the, just watching the martial art when they do fight, because this style of martial art, I don't know how you pronounce it. Why Boran? And that kind of apparently literal translation is ancient boxing. Oh, cool. Okay, but yeah. either way, it was it was it was cool to look at. You know, and there were you know like any you know, with a lot of fight scenes, there were some bits that were like pretty jaw dropping. Yeah, but it just didn't have that 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 feeling. You know, when you get the blood suddenly starts coursing through your veins because you know that a really cool fight scene's about yes. to happen. There was none of that. It was just this slightly wet. <laughs> series of of montages and flashbacks that just left you feeling slightly aggravated with the filmmakers and and stuff and it, you know not the worst film I've ever seen. it made me want to watch on back because yeah. that sounds awesome and for that reason well, I'm, I'm I'm planning on watching it but I mean personally I think this is this is in the D camp oh that's a shame did you not so- to- not totally terrible but I would say for fans of on back I'd say you know don't don't bother you know, watch yeah. some other stuff with this guy in because yeah, it's definitely not by the sounds of it up to scratch of Ongback one on two. So Ongback two is meant to be quite good as well, then, is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, from the reviews I've read, like mm. I say, you know, there are loads of people probably screaming at us now, going, "I can't believe you don't know Ongback and Ongback two But I, I can, I don't know Ongback one and two yet. But they yeah, sound like they're better than this. And um, yeah, I just think this is pretty poorly put together. And um, you know, like the the. The name, the choreographer who worked on the fights of the first two films didn't work on this one, so there are things like that. I think this was the first one where Tony Jaa basically completely directed it himself, more or less. So do you know, do you know what I mean? That yeah. might be what maybe it was a, you know, the first go. <laughs> and I've definitely seen worse films, but it was just a bit clunky. Well, there's nothing. There's no more appropriate genre to go smash with your fist to then. Yeah, exactly. I think I would smash. I wouldn't recommend this, but um, Fine. I'm still. I didn't hate it. I just didn't enjoy particularly watching it either. Well, I don't think I will then. No, don't. No, I think I'll avoid that one. Fine. Well, well, I'm sorry to have put you through that one, dude. I was hoping because Ong Back itself was so widely regard, highly regarded that you might have, you know, it might be a solid C or something that you might get it like. Yeah, not bad. Exactly, and this is what you know when you, when I said I wasn't particularly looking forward to uh, martial arts, but actually just. Reading about this afterwards, just sort of, I, I still enjoyed going back into the world of martial arts movies, sure. even though this was a poor one. Oh, okay, well, let's, let's move swiftly on to mine because it doesn't sound as yes. like, you know. So I also had a sequel for my movie, uh, and I had a sequel that I watched 
to a movie that I've already seen, which I thought would be quite uh, an interesting thing to do. Um, I watched The Legend of the Drunken Master. So it's the sequel, it's the 1994 sequel to the 70s, I can't remember when it was exactly in, but in the 70s Jackie Chan movie, um, Drunken Master, which Was that is, like his first movie? Was it a really early Jackie Chan movie? It's, I think it's a relatively early Jackie Chan. He's, it's, he's still very much the star, but he started making movies in the early 70s, but he was often, he did do a lot of the sort of third spear carry from the less prison guard, that kind of stuff, under a right. variety of different, not variety, under his real name, which looks like it's been, but spelt differently. I guess in different credits as it's been yeah. westernized, whatever. Um, but I do think it's one of his. It was one of his big sort of breakout movies. Yeah. Um, and the original Drunken Master was uh, directed by Master Wu Ping, who um, we talked about last time. Who did you know? Kill the choreograph, kill Bill, and did the um, Matrix and Crouching Tiger and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so. You know he, the man Manuel was talking about, and also um, I think did had had an involvement with with the It Man movies, but um, he uh, did not direct Legend of the Drunken Master. That was definitely okay. someone else. But it still does star Jackie Chan, so I was quite keen to see it. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed Drunken Master. Um, so I the whole like there's a certain amount of assumed knowledge when you jump into the Legend of the Drunken Master. Also, okay. There's no the in it. It's just the legend of Drunken Master that you know what drunken boxing is. You sort of pick it up along the way, but essentially um, the holdover from that first movie and that what, what he learns is this style of Kung Fu that is... Um, it imitates... Oh, crikey. I think it's the eight sort of special beings, each okay. one as, as if you were drunk. And you take on different personas. There's a sort of like a very coy, coquettish lady with a fan kind of thing, but it's how you move your body. And the idea is that you are you look like you're off balance when actually you're perfectly balanced. So it right. means that you can move in a different way and you can sort of absorb attacks in a different way and stuff like that. It's a really cool movie, the first one. Anyway, so this time round, we sort of, we, we kick off with, um, we come straight in on Jackie Chan. Yeah. And it's very much, so this is 94, right? So he's very much established his persona. I mean, it wasn't a million miles away from I mean when was the first rush hour movie oh yeah well it must have been not that long after not that, that yeah. long yeah um so he has this sort of like he's he's kind of got himself down as this great martial artist who is very adept at throwing himself through tiny cracks and um does a bit of comedy along the way so that's sort of how we start out really there he's there with his um his father and their sort of manservant type person they've been to a place to buy his his dad's sort of an apothecary, right? Um, and they've been to this place to buy surprise supplies like they've got some dried toads and they have various bits <laughs> and bobs. One of the things they buy is a lot of ginseng root, and then they are going to be taxed on it as they leave the province and travel back to their place. So they concoct a slightly silly, elaborate scheme to smuggle it aboard the train in the luggage of a bunch of um, sort of foreign diplomat types who are also getting on the train. Um, and there's this sort of big scene around the train with everyone getting on. And It's like a cast of thousands scene, is it like? Yes, you know, like it is. And it's very much scene. actually, it's, it's, what, oh, it's not something I thought about much, but it's very much like the, uh, like the sort of the images you see of trains in Mumbai or Bombay or whatever. It's like mm. it's just absolutely crammed full of people. There's ducks everywhere. <laughs> and um, Jackie Chan has to do lots of jumping through tiny windows because he quite enjoys that. Um, awesome. Yeah. And as they're travelling back, 
um, he and his chum, the manservant, have to go and recover the ginseng from the, the posh people's luggage. Um, and over the course of that happening, there's a sort of mix-up. Um, because there's a thief on the train who... Jackie Chan's parcel of ginseng is wrapped in the same parcel as another thing, and the thief steals the ginseng and leaves Jackie Chan with a jade seal. Um, but Jackie Chan sees him stealing the ginseng, and he doesn't really like thieves, so he goes and challenges this dude, and they have they have a bit of a fight, and this guy's quite hardcore, and Jackie Chan's sort of, you know, doing his Jackie Chan thing. Um, and then he goes has to scramble to get on the train, and as, yeah, as the train is pulling out, he realises that he doesn't have the ginseng, he has the jade seal. Uh, they arrive home, and there is a sort of comedy section um, with Jackie Chan's stepmother, who's some sort of she's she's my favourite character in this by a very <laughs> really? very large chalk. She's awesome. She's been having an illicit mahjong game, which her husband doesn't really approve of, and then they all pretend <laughs> not to be, and then she becomes very complicit in hiding from him the fact that Jackie Chan's lost the ginseng, to the extent where they give some poor man the roots of. Um, Jackie Chan's father's 300-year-old bonsai tree instead of ginseng to eat. Um, uh, but during this time, the sort of forces of darkness are massing against them because uh, the people, the sort of posh diplomatic types who include um, a purported Brit who is working for the British Museum of Art um, <laughs> realise their antiquity has gone missing and, and are sort of determined to get it back and they track it down too. The village Jackie Chan's in, um, and various fight sequences ensue. One of the things that they that sort of this, I think, if I'm not wrong, that this sort of builds on more than the original is that Jackie Chan has to get absolutely slosh to be really good at drunken boxing. Really? Yeah, so there's a comedy sequence where his stepmother is just grabbing bottles of booze from the local bar and fueling him with it so he can. Um, he can kick a bit of bottom because she gets she gets attacked and then he has to sort of um, defend her honour. And it sort of moves on like that, really. The dude who stole the ginseng by accident comes back and it turns out he's like this awesome government agent. And basically it turns into... It's, it's a slightly it's a tale of kind of thwarting antiquities theft. And the whole idea is that actually this, you know, the, the, the Brits are bleeding China dry of their antiquities and um, Jackie Chan and his cohorts... Uh, Stop! We'll try and stop them taking yeah. their stuff out, and they are, and the Brits and the, their sort of Chinese um, confederates are determined to get to get the stuff out, as it were. Um, cue there's some large fight scenes. There's one with him and this um, this agent where they battle about forty people between the two of them and use the banisters of houses to smack them around the head with and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. There's uh, there's some hilarious sequences where he gets kicked out of the house by his dad for being too smashed after the first battle. Um, <laughs> so does he have to get drunk before every fight scene? Or no, because he can still do drunken boxing. No, no, no. It's oh. just when he needs to do a super fight scene. When he oh, okay. when he's when he's sort of fighting an end of level baddie style person, that's oh, when okay. he has to get really battered. <laughs> what a hilarious um, idea! Yeah, um, and there is it sort of leads. There's, there's a very bizarre sort of side plot to this. In the the the, the bad guys have obviously watched Temple of Doom because for some reason they sort of seem to make their lair in this factory that really just reminds me of the minecart place where Mola Ram is. And they sort of, they just, and to to the extent where they're sort of like swinging fire around at people. There's a really, there's a bizarre 
kind of um, conceit that if you're really good at kung fu, you can't be touched by fire. Well, s- sort of, because these guys, um, sort of wheel. They, you know, they'll they'll be a smelting thing with a rod with a glowing, you know, red hot tip on it, and they'll just pick the other end up and wield it around with their bare hands. And like, no, I'm pretty sure that's metal, and that conducts it too. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's sort of, you know, there are multiple fight scenes. There is a little bit of tragedy. There are, um, there's his mother and or his stepmother being awesome. And then it sort of culminates. They end up back at this kind of, um, uh, what do you call it? Temple of Doomy style, um, smelting plant where, um, I guess the, the sort of the big spectacular fight happens and there's Jackie Chan fighting on fire and getting dumped into some boiling burning coals and things like that and actually what they do at the end of the movie as the credits are playing out is they show you some of these stunt sequences and how he actually is dumped into these burning coals and all that sort of stuff oh cool and there's some quite disturbing makeup effects as he's sort of bit burned and fighting um yeah. but uh disturbing he, as in a boy slightly poor no they're just a bit like oh god you're a bit melty Ooh. Mm. um and you know he has to find a way to get drunk in this mind to finally overcome the the evil baddie <laughs> kind of thing which is marginally entertaining and involves bubbles at one point um and that's sort of it really i mean there's no great surprise that he's going to be the the winner um but i think that what, what sort of it lacks from the original and what it has in common with yours is again it's a series of sort of unconnected events loosely held together by a slightly ropey script um <laughs> God, really. I, I, halfway through it was becoming a bit of a chore and it was becoming the thing that i don't get about I definitely don't get about sort of the, the, the comedy-tinged uh, martial arts movies where you go, I'm not sure I just want... I don't really want to see him being a clown. Like, he's obviously incredibly physically talented. Mm. But watching Jackie Chan clown around for an hour and 40 minutes is just a bit like, oh, really, again? Yeah, I, I've, I've, I mean, I have seen... I forget which one it is, whether it's Tokyo Story, Police Story, rather, or, or one, one of the ones that he does basically stay in sort of clown mode more or less yeah. throughout so i don't think it is police story i forget but i you know i want if if it stay if that tone stays then it's fine but it's the fact that it so often goes it's that really un, no. musically uneven tone oh, yeah too I mean. it is entirely uneven but at the same time i just if even if it stayed for the whole time he's frankly mm. he's you know he does it he does it he does some great physical movement but he's not um, a Marx brother, or uh, <laughs> no, although he does remind me of a Marx brother yeah, in some ways, but he's you know there's none of that sort of um, mm. physically. He doesn't. Um, what are those people who did that? Curly, Merly, Curly, and oh, the Harry. Three Stooges. He's not one of the Three Stooges. He obviously <laughs> loves the Three Stooges, but he's definitely not one of the Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah. And I just like the script's pretty weak. The story's the story is definitely there. They went, we're going to have a fight scene where I take apart a house and beat someone, beat a whole bunch of people up with a house. We're going to have a fight scene where I get drunk and do this. And then, right, how do we, how do we string all these fight scenes together? And the, like, it's, it's sort of, it's the kind of thing that I just don't like watching about martial arts movies is when there's just a bunch of sort of, obviously it's built around the fight scenes and they're just a bit silly. Yeah. Like I don't I have no interest in seeing Jackie Chan whip a banister off and beat 40 guys around the head with it. Or comedically kick a dude through a window, like it's. I must admit, I do like the sound of that, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's just it, just, it was just all a bit. Ah, uh, it's all just a bit. It's like oh, that that, that this again. Then right, mm. when when does this finish? So again, I'm fortunately I'm going to label this one. 
with a big D for dunce. It's not. It's definitely not terrible. There are moments of enjoyment. It's a D plus, to be honest with you. Like there's. I suspect you can... if you watched mine, just from to- just from hearing about it, I suspect if you watched mine, you would give mine a lower score than yours. I'm, I, yeah. I haven't seen yours yet, so I'm only I'm guessing. Look, but the, I just uh, it does sound like a more. It's not like there isn't mine, but... fun to be had, and it is quite mm. amusing watching the weird Templar Doom sequence that has no connection to anything, <laughs> or watching and, and watching an. an a, a Caucasian actor speaking Chinese overdubbed with an English accent, which is quite funny. Oh, oh yes, wow. I forgot to say, this was dubbed, not subtitled as well, which was um, entertaining. Oh, that can be a problem, can't Yes, it? Yeah. but also, you know, it felt very classic in that way. But, mm. um, yeah, it's just, I mean, look, it's it's not the worst way you can spend your time, but there are an awful lot better ways you can spend your time. And, mm. I, you know, in a choice between watching this and not watching this, I would go for the latter option, I think. Really? Yeah, it's a shame because I really like the original. But um, yeah. you know what? If I bizarrely looked on, as you did, looked on the list of greatest martial arts movies, and this was in like Esquire's top 10 or something. And I'm like, did you not just confuse this with the original? Did you not mean <laughs> Drunken Master when you said Legend of the Drunken Master? Because I was well, going to say, probably did. I- I think it was Paste Magazine or something. I, th- I, I don't know Paste Magazine, but it was a top 100 list. And yeah, I noticed that your film. Was in the I think the top ten out of a hundred you know things it was like yeah. number seven or something. So I might I was, be missing yeah. something, but I don't think I am. I think it's just a <laughs> bit average. Yeah, well, it sounds like it's done as you said, like all the things that you basically slightly dislike about kung fu films. Yeah. So yeah, yeah basically, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame, but you know, I, I, like I'm glad I'm glad to have had the discipline of watching it. Yeah. As an, as yeah. Well it. done. Cool. Well done getting through. Thanks. I'm a trooper. Mm. <laughs> right so the third movie combo movie combo movie the yeah so like i say i chose this one it is not a naf sequel um it's not an unknown movie it's quite a well-known movie in the sort of um in the pantheon of film but i figured that we would watch it because we hadn't watched it and we should and yes. it's also something that other people listen to this podcast who want to know a good martial arts movie to watch and haven't watched many probably won't have seen either well that's you know i'm not trying to preempt anything that's what that was my previous thought though this is probably going to be okay but i also thought it was quite a good litmus test because i figured that if we choose a movie that many people rate quite highly and we go yeah um it's all right then i probably don't really like kung fu movies i thought that's probably quite a good oh yeah like we've we've discussed this from the podcast and i really don't want this to become a theme and i don't want to beat it to death but like I don't love the raid like many people do. And I was beginning to think maybe it's a genre thing. Maybe it's just not my bag. So yeah, I thought I would really test myself. Like I know you did. So that's yeah. why, you know, we work or something. Um, yeah. But that's uh, but that's why I thought it would be good, a good way to sort of a good litmus test to go, here is a sort of relatively widely renowned pick of the genre and does this work for us? So to that end, I chose Ip Man. Ip Man. Yeah, oh, which sorry, I've always thought. Oh, it was good. I liked 2008. it. 2008. And I thought that's an awesome title anyway. It sounds cool. Although, you know, you could read it as IP Man and think it's about <laughs> some sort of internet technician. <laughs> I've called the IP you, Man. It'll be fine. He'll sort, out, he'll sort out my bandwidth. Um, so, yeah, I thought we should watch that. And we both did, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, def- I definitely watched it. Um, yeah, Give us a synopsis. Um, what is it? What's it about? Yeah. Well, it's a film. It focuses on the life of Ip Man. Yes. Um, and it's set in a 
in a city of is it Foshan? Foshan, yeah. Foshan, um, and it's and it's set just before the the the, the second um, Chino-Japanese War, isn't it? Yeah. But it's that's when it starts, and basically, Ip Man is this well-respected dude who lives in this town, which is like it's like martial arts city. Yes. Yeah, should we should community. we say who? Because this is based on a on a real person. Yes. Yeah. Fine. Um, yes, it was based on the. You you go ahead. Dude. Well, I was gonna say the, the, the most exciting thing about the real Ip Man is that he is Bruce Lee's teacher. Yeah, the reason I wasn't mentioning it in the plot is because I didn't know this until the very end of this oh, film. Cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> this, wow. this is this is how little I knew about this film. I pressed play. You know, oh, I great. had not. That's great. I didn't know anything, so that's why Although, I kind of. To be fair, it doesn't have a bearing on the story whatsoever. There's no, there's no mention of no. Bruce Lee until like until a, the role, yeah, the, the, the credits, credits at the yeah. end. Yeah, but you're right. It's based on the life of a real guy, as you say. Um, anyway, it's set in the city, and it's like martial arts city. Yes. And it's um, it's got all these different uh, martial arts schools uh-huh. all run by by figures who are who are particularly good at di- at slightly different variations of a, su- a southern style of style of Chinese kung fu, and um, and it man played by Donnie Yen, woohoo, who um, was in Rogue One, which yes. is pretty awesome. Yeah, mm. um, so it's set in so it's the nineteen thirties. And there are yep. these. Basically, you see his life, and he's a well-respected member of the community. And he's like, he's re- well-respected as being the most skilled Wing Chun martial artist. But he's like, he's unassuming. He and and he's sort he's of very um, quiet. He also is unbelievably loaded. Yeah, he's wealthy, isn't he? Yeah. He lives in literally. I think his house is the nicest house I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a wife and a young son. And basically, one of the sort of subplots is that his wife. Is slightly resentful because he doesn't. She she doesn't. He he doesn't. She, she thinks he doesn't spend enough time with with her and him, and more his son, who's yeah, he's like five year old son, isn't he? And spends too much time yeah. yabbering on about you know martial arts and having mm. duels and stuff. And well, also yeah, having duels and then sort of practicing by hitting that like classically big wooden poly spiky thing. That yeah, they have. which I would not like to do. That does not look. Fun. No, it looks really painful. <laughs> yeah. It probably makes you quite hard. Yeah, probably. Um. So and, yeah, and, we, we and kick a, off with well, we kick off with a duel, don't we? Is that the very first thing that happens? Just about. I yeah, think. that's right. One of the martial artist teachers, one of his sort of mates, comes around and they have a duel, a behind closed doors duel. Yeah, and I, they, and I think what's quite nice about it, and I don't want to get too reviewy yet, but um, is often you'll start a martial arts movie and it'd be like, right, I will smash you for the honor of boom, 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 or I will do this, and this is just like he turns up and goes, so can we can we have a fight? Yeah. And, and it man sort of goes, well, I'm having dinner. Um, and he goes, oh, that's all right, I'll wait. And he goes, well, do you, want, do you want to have some dinner? So they just sit down and have dinner. And then um, Wifey and Sonny do, do make a sharp exit. And he yeah. goes, all right, then, fighty time, let's go. And it's just, it's obviously just two mates. It's like someone coming around with their guitar going, do you want a jam? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's just like that. Yeah, so, um, so after they, they jam for a bit... Um, yeah. Well, this fight. Am, am I remembering right? This fight's sort of witnessed by the yeah, brother. Yeah, it's meant to be a behind friend. closed doors thing because this guy is another master. He runs his own martial arts school. Yeah, and, but it's witnessed um, by someone who lets the community know yes, that he lost. So suddenly it, there's a loss of face, and yeah, yeah. Because it man, he doesn't just lose. It man just basically 
Yeah. Like he, he's the nicest, gentlest man, but he just destroys him. Yeah. Not because fi- but they don't hurt each other. He just gets him to that point where he's like, "Yeah, you're just so beaten." And the other guy goes, "Anyway, thanks for the lesson." Bye. And then <laughs> the younger brother who who gives away the secret ends yeah. up sort of being slightly exiled by the... You know, he goes away yes. from the plot and comes back later. But that's a sort of subplot, should we say. Yeah, very much so. And then and, and then I think another plot point that's worth mentioning is just this particularly good bit when... I should think about 20, 25 minutes in when basically an aggressive um, sort of hop yeah, well, and, and really we, we good... We establish Ip Man as basically a very chill, diplomatic dude who can yeah. also kick the pants off anyone in the universe. Yeah, and then this nasty this this group of out of towners turn up. Yes, and start. They're wanting, very rough looking. There, yeah, really rough hewn. They're, clothes. I they're quite think, dirty. Honestly, this I really I thought they looked so cool. But they um yeah they turn up and start and they want they challenge all the martial arts teachers to fights. They they shoo about three of them I think. And then there's a with fight various disciplines as well. He basically yeah. turns up and says Fushan is renowned as a center for martial arts. So. Um, let's have a big old fight and he tries to fight all the different masters of the schools and he has one has a go at him with a with a um you know with a sort of staff with a knife on the end and he has a yeah. sword and all that sort of stuff yeah so very various styles he appears to be a bit of a master of yeah and then he and then basically but it man i don't want to give away quite what happens but but but, but, but then quite yeah. soon after that bit which is a really good bit we come to act 2 which is essentially Suddenly, the Japanese have invaded, and we and the and the second third of the film is all um, is the community torn apart. It man suddenly poor because his house is uh, everything flips. Yeah, we, yeah. We sort of we flash forward, and yeah, his house is in disarray, and he's trading pocket watches for rice. Yeah, and he's yeah he's struggling along like everyone else. He's still a respected member of the community, kind of thing. But yeah, he's like everyone else, um, just you know, just yeah, doing what they can to get rice and potatoes and stuff. Yeah, and it very much becomes about the a story of the Japanese occupation as well as being the story of of it man himself. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's and like then, in a microcosm. And then in the, and then the other thing just to mention is that then the setup for the sort of the final third or the main protagonist after this is this Japanese general who's obsessed with martial arts and is a very skilled Japanese martial artist. Yeah, and one way Ip Man discovers that one way people are getting rice is by turning up to this Japanese general's place, where he basically makes them fight. Um, yeah, and and I, I suppose do we cut it off there? That that is that where we? I leave think it? we do Not cut it off there. It's 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 about how they interact with this situation. About mm. sort of, um, I mean, throughout the film, Ip Man himself carries himself. He's always got a very strong moral code and a lot yeah. of dignity and it's about how he deals with that situation about he yeah he deals with the, the Japanese wanting to fight him and about how he deals with the repercussions of that and also how he is sort of a talisman for the town yeah really and um, polarises their opinion and their actions I guess yeah the level they're talking about this film might make it slightly obvious we haven't talked about this before what we thought of it yeah are you getting but, an are you getting an inkling, Benjamin, of what I think? Yes. Why don't you tell me, Jono? How did you find it, man? I fucking loved it, dude. So did I. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. <laughs> I definitely do like kung fu movies. I just like good ones. This film was freaking brilliant. <laughs> no, no. So I don't from, normally from, swear on this podcast, but I thought as it's our eighteenth, I would swear just yeah. that one time. No, I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I think almost from the start, I knew it. Was, I, I just had that. Like it just it just felt great. I mean, he's Donnie Yen's a fantastic 
presence. Sorry, everyone. In the film. That's my dog, Mary. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> can you stop that? We're trying to do a podcast. It really is his dog. He's not talking to any other member of the family. Yeah. Um, but uh, Donnie Yen's a fantastic presence at the whole thing. Like he is brilliant. He anchors the movie absolutely superbly. I think he's got this air of calm serenity throughout the whole thing but it's not just him I mean he's a brilliant lead yeah but it's not just him it's like it, it's shot so nicely yeah 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 and I mean, and it looks and I, I, the colours I, I mean, are amazing and all the peripheral characters though as well like I, I cared oh, yeah. about loads of the characters in this film you know, and, and this is him. the thing the way it's been directed and written is like the there's, there are characters look for the love <laughs> of god there are characters with with, with real motives and desires and dreams and you can care about them and you even care about the dude the, the, the out of towner who comes in and causes various problems throughout the dude, movie I, this is the thing but you, I, he, he, he has a, a, a sliver of sympathy about him yeah I, I mean, he was one of the things that really because basically I was already quite enjoying this when he turned up and that series of jewels this aggressive out of towner was the moment That's where I was amazing. like I am am loving this because yeah. I just really liked him that actor I looked him up and sort of you know he still gets work but I thought he was great I really I recognise his watching. face from something else I'm not sure what it is though it was really bugging me and I couldn't work out what it was oh, but... I don't know either but he was in the sequel to this which I've, I'm fully planning on watching It Man 2 which is also on Netflix as is It yeah. Man 3 but I'm, yeah I'm, but but he makes it into It Man 2 um, but I thought he I'm was good. fantastic and yeah, just I mean, I really liked his wife. I thought the the relationship between him and his son was quite sweet, especially because in the second act, when he's suddenly poor during the Japanese occupation, yeah. and has you to know, spend a lot of time at home not doing much because he he doesn't practice martial arts much because he's too poor to eat, so he can't really do much exercise. Yeah, and there's just there's quite a yeah, there's some quite nice family scenes that are really well done. There's a good scene where he has to fight about ten people at the same time. You know the fight sequence, which is, is brutal, freaking awesome. By yeah, the way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's, yeah, I there's mean, there's one, but, there's one well, particular the leg breaking bit that I thought, yeah, I didn't, and that's I didn't great. Need to see that. <laughs> one of the things I love about this movie is that it it does cover both spectrums. There is the obvious sparring, mm. which is still spectacularly shot, and spectacularly again, it doesn't feel wire worky. It's very mm. physical. Mm. It's just people exercising brilliant art, and then there's the there's the bit when the bits when it man cranks it up and goes right now I need to hurt somebody, and then that is something you don't see. It's something I haven't seen very often, and mm. obviously we have limited thing. But there's points when you go right here is how this is used to actually hurt people, and then that's brutal and it's hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because no, totally normally, agree. you know, you are nothing. Even Jackie Chan hitting a man twenty times on the head with a banister doesn't look like it actually hurts. <laughs> Whereas, there's, yeah, the leg breaking scene, just the whole of that scene where he fights ten guys, he yeah. hurts every single one of them quite badly. Yeah, and the, and you get the after effects, as in his knuckles are all sort of bleeding and, and yes, and everything afterwards. But I think the thing was, I was thinking about what what for me made a good kung fu movie. Yeah. Um, in my limited experience. But like, um, yes. going back very briefly to The Matrix, I always remember the first time I watched The Matrix getting a sort of that bit when suddenly basically Kung Fu is loaded into his brain. Yes. He has the first of those practice <laughs> fights with, um, uh, what's his name? Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. Um, I just remember feeling, you know, a kind of electricity, you know, adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. Of being so excited. And in this... All the fight it's, sequences kind of did the same thing. It was like, oh, a fight because they had, they had, they meant something. There was, there was drama behind the purpose. Absolutely, yeah. and it wasn't a movie 
built around like oh we've got six fight sequences how do we arrange this obviously I mean they are a, they're a large centerpiece of the movie they're beautifully choreographed and they're yeah, beautifully they're shot but yeah. they they knit them seamlessly into the film they're part of the film each one has a purpose it advances the plot it's part of the plot yeah. it's not just like yeah th- there's a plot that we tacked on to aid this fight scene it's Sammo Hung that was the bloke who did the he he choreographed it, and he uh, he's okay. choreographed a bajillion films, and he's a huge figure in kung fu movies and blah de blah de blah. In fact, he, was he the guy? Maybe because he's done Jackie Chan movies, so maybe he's done The Legend of the Drunken Master as well. I don't know. But either way, yeah, the fight scenes are really amazing. So even if, in frankly, if you're watching this and the film's not working for you, there is a purely you know, impressive spectacle for you in the form of those fight scenes. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the fight scenes are blooming fantastic. Yeah. And um, I just, I, just I, yeah, I, I could not have liked this movie more. I could easily <laughs> just go back and watch it now. It's, um, uh, the other thing I sort of really took from the choreography and the way it was done is that there's, there's a real paucity of movement. Because mm. going from this sort of frenetic Jackie Chan, jump through a window, jump on a head, pick up mm. a banister, go over there. It's like, he's very still and he just, sort of uh, these fights are sort of they're very balletic but they're but there's there's not there's no extra there's there's no extra movement in there so i'm trying to say this they're like there's simple blocks simple kicks simple hits but done in such a way that everything you everything seems each one of them is an effective move if you know what i mean yeah and then there's these strange like and that makes the moments of frenetic action even more um, it gives him even more weight, I guess. Like the point when he when he sort of starts doing those like super double quick punches, that um, that just sort of, yeah, like I say, it gives that more weight. It suddenly just makes none of it feels excessive and none of it feels silly, and it all feels like real people doing something real and very very skillful and very 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, the only other thing I really well, the point I wanted to make was just um, I watched this not knowing that Ip Man was based on any kind of real person. And I was absolutely drawn in and absolutely loved it, assuming mm. it was completely and utterly made up. Yeah, and I, to be honest with you, I think a large chunk of it is quite yeah, exactly. fictionalised. So this yes. is the whole thing, is because it's a broadly biographical film. Yeah. I think it's how it's, because I think basically from the reading I've done since, it's like it's, yeah, it's based on elements of his life, but basically yes. loads of the plot is just basically all made up. Um, but, yeah. It's just kind of, oh, I don't know. It's just, it's freaking it awesome. It was just fantastic. It really I'm definitely was. going to watch this again. And I think, yeah. for me, this is definitely in the A bracket. Yeah, um, for me, this is this is my second A I've seen. And it's mm. just, it's and it's such a firm, solid A. It's, uh, it's the movie I would, if you're out there and you were a bit like us and you hadn't seen a lot of martial arts movies, just do yourself a favour and watch it, man. If you have seen it, man, already... Just do yourself a favour and watch it again. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. Really, really properly great on many, many levels. I agree. So happy. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And again, like last time, I'm just really glad that we've both ended on a, we both enjoyed this after two slightly meh kind of D first Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, (laughs) that's the thing, because I didn't know, I knew so little about this film. You're like, I was looking at that top 100 article and saw, ah, we have picked ourselves two films between us that are in the top 10 of a top 100. They could not be further apart, as far as I'm convinced. No, 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 no. Um, Right, well, I I guess it's getting to the time when my big surprise. Yes, go on, get it out. Okay, everyone, 
it's my turn to choose genre for the next episode. And um, a while ago now, one of our lovely listeners, Paul, requested dystopian movies. We didn't yes. go with it because we'd only just done, which one was it? It was uh, um, po- apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, blah yeah. blah So we didn't do it. I think we should do it this time. Fine. But, Let's do it. but oh, I have a plan. A but. I want to tell listeners now what I think our combo film should be. Okay, sounds good to me. But, dude... We all this learn is, together. This well, actually, is, no, I learn earlier because I haven't put this out on the interwebs yet, so I'll already know by the time you listen. But this, dude, is the point where you may stop agreeing with this plan. This is a film that I have seen before. But, but, but before you object, okay. First of all, I saw it in 1988. I hated it. I can't remember a thing about it other than it's got Melanie Griffiths in it. It's from 1987. It's called Cherry 2000. It's now, set so in a dystopian future where love is purchased via sexy replicants. I remember watching it, but the thing is, I did a brief bit of reading and because I, I was looking for dystopian movies. Yeah. And I saw it there and just, oh, I can't do that because I've seen it. But it's so perfect because it's set in 2017. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've got to watch this. And, and to be fair, to a certain extent, we are right now living in a bit of a dystopia. <laughs> yeah. But th- so this is the thing. I know w- one of the key rules of, of this podcast is that we don't watch films we've seen before. I think we can occasionally break the rule if it's been so long since the film. If you want to pick a film, not every time, let, let's try and stick where possible to films we've not seen. But I think occasionally... I'll let you break the rule occasionally if there's a very good reason for it. And I think the fact that it's Cherry 2000, it's dystopian, it's set in 2017. The fact that I can't remember a single scene about, you know, I just remember hating it. But I was young then and apparently it is a bit of a cult favourite, so it might be quite fun. So I want our listeners to know that we're going to watch Cherry 2000. Then I want our listeners to tell us before the next podcast what they thought of it too. That is a great idea, quite frankly. I, I suggested this when I picked the post-apocalyptic movies and you said, no, I've already seen it. So great. I wanted to watch it because it's one of those things. Oh, I'd forgotten I really you suggested don't think it for I've seen it. It's one of the things that I feel like I should have seen, but I haven't. Um, and well, maybe I have someone can grab me. And if I, I couldn't remember a single frame if I have. So that's great. I, I have a bit of a, um, a soft spot for Melanie Griffith. She was, uh, she's in some great movies around that period. I've got a thing for something wild that you really hate. Yeah, well, I don't like Working Girl or Something Wild, and I re-watched I Working Girl recently. Like Working Girl? It's yeah, awesome. I can't bear it. Yeah. Lashings of cheese, but they're great <laughs> lashings of cheese. Whole um, bits of Carly Simon as ferries go across the uh, the river. It's I've nothing. I don't mind Actually, Charlie That's Simon. making me want to watch Working Girl. Now. I know, what you, as usual, your annoying enthusiasm is rubbing off on me, and suddenly I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, I might get a Working Girl poster. But no, I did try re-watching it only a couple of years ago with my parents, because they both love it. And um, yeah. I still don't. I like know. It. I I have it. I put it in the same box as Pretty Woman. Yeah, well, Pretty Woman. I only I only learned to love fairly late as well. I didn't love really? that to begin with either. No, I found oh, it too yeah. annoying. But I remember, I, I didn't like Richard Gere and Melanie Griffiths. I can't get past her voice. Her voice really great. I think it's something to do with the fact that um, she was one of my first like ten year old crushes. I saw an episode of Miami Vice that she was in, and just oh, for really? some reason fell in love with her in that, and then have oh, like Trevor Sims. My first sort of ten-year-old crush was um, Return to Oz, the the girl who the was whole, in the craft oh, who played okay. Dorothy in Return to Oz. Oh, is that Farouza Balk? Is she the main evil one in the craft? Yeah, 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 yeah. She she was Dorothy. I'm pretty sure. 
I'll have to look and, that up. And in Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Can't remember, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, cool. So we're doing Dystopia. We're going to both watch Cherry 2000. And listeners. And, yeah, you out there. We want you to watch it as well. We want to know what you think. And you've got to watch it soon and tell us what you think so we can tell other people what you thought in our next podcast. Yeah, yes. I'm Is not it? quite sure the train of thought went there, no, but I like it. I'm confused. I just want, we just want to hear from you. As ever, <laughs> we just want to hear from you. We're like little saplings thirsting for the sun and warmth of your comments. I have a specific request from to listener Paul as well. Let's get listener Paul to watch Cherry 2000 and email. He asked for dystopian, so he should watch it and tell us what he thinks. All right, love it. Good. Listener Paul, get your viewing on. <laughs> Everyone else, come on, join in. <laughs> and also, give us a shout if you'd like us to do anything on the podcast. Well, not anything, but um, if you want us to change that... Uh, that topic because I'm now you know now now we've done Kung Fu movies Smash With Your Fist I feel has run its course yeah um, so if you would like to save me the agony of having to deal with making another one of these um, <laughs> then please suggest something or if you want to tell us um any movies you'd like to watch tell us what you thought of any movies I, I've heard from a couple of people who mm. um uh have watched on, the, on our recommendation Turbo Kid and oh, yeah. various opinions from there which, uh, which has been really interesting so if you want to write in and tell us what you thought of a movie that we've reviewed you can write to us at um, wewatchanything at gmail.com sorry we don't have a postal address um, you can get us on Facebook and you can also hit us up at wewatchanything on Twitter and just get in touch give us your thoughts give us a brain dump and if you, yeah, if you're fancy playing along at home, Cherry 2000 will be on the next podcast. Woohoo! In the meantime, uh, stay safe, keep warm. <laughs> it's blooming freezing in this country. Um, <laughs> it is quite cold. If you're listening somewhere nice and warm like Miami, where I was recently, then you don't need to stay warm. Just, uh, just, just relax by the pool or something. Mm. Anyway, stay safe and keep listening, and we'll be with you very shortly. Yeah, bye, listeners. Thanks bye. for listening. Bye. I'm terrible at these end bits. You are. I really am rubbish. Look, here's here's a recent one. Just go and watch it, man. Okay. Hi, I'm Ben Strivens. He's John O'Scott. Hi. And together, we watch anything. (laughs) Last one.